Amen. So this morning I'll be sharing um, a thought. It, it, it started as a thought, you know, but you know the way these things come and began to snowball into something more robust. Um, you know, and what, what, I, what I titled it is setting our house in order for the outpouring of the Spirit. It is a message that has two sides. There is a side of it that applies to us individually, and there's another side that applies to us corporately. Um, and it's a very simple message. In fact, my whole text is Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. That's my whole text, you know. Um, and we're not going to read everything, but just pick some very important um, points. What is the reason for this message? It is, you know, one of the things, and if, you know, if there's anything you, you, you can say about what God is doing here, you know, in TGC Yaba, he is setting the true church order. He's doing what? He's setting the true church order. He is beaming light to us to understand what true worship is, what the true Christian lifestyle should be. And what should be the hope of our calling? What should we be about as a church? The church is so many things. Unfortunately, so many things that God doesn't intend it to be. I'm talking about the church as a whole unit, as, as a global body. It is so many things. It, there, there is a type of the church that is evolving based on the needs of the people. There is another church that is evolving based on the trend of the time. You know, there, was a time there, was, there was a time when, when you go to church... The shortest service time was two hours. How many of us remember that? The shortest service time was two hours, you know. But a point came where a trend came in and then, you know, some churches now, 45 minutes, they are done. They are done, you know. I, I, I still wonder what, and some people say it's not about the length, but no, it's about it. <laughs> it's both quality and quantity. Am I making sense? You can have clean water, sparkling clean water, and you are very thirsty. And they give you, imagine they give you one quarter of a cup and say that is your portion for the day. But it's absolutely clean, pure water. Chilled. It's quality, but the quantity is not enough. Am I making sense? Amen. So, but if it is quality and then you have a full 75 CL, you know, you sit down and relax. You take it, and then you take it again, and then you take it again until you are full. You know, so, but and a, a type of church came and key into that trend. And some people, I remember I went to one church like that, I won't mention the name. And a friend invited me, and I, and I, and in 45 minutes, church was over. And I was like, when they were sharing the grace, I couldn't believe it. I said, I said no, there must be a joke. <laughs> sharing grace. So I sat down, people were going, I sat down. I mean, I cannot go anywhere. Oh. I've not even, I've not tasted self, talk not of eating. <laughs> so I waited for three services before I felt, okay, I, I have something I can take home. <laughs> Whatever, three, I had to do three services. I think, Jeon, why? just have those two speak and you are sharing grace. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Amen. So there was a church that's responding to the trend of the time. These are not operations of the spirit, but the spirit of the age. You know, when the sole intent is to conform to human need. Does it mean church service can't be short? Absolutely. In fact, we, could, we can come here one day and we worship, and God said, you have, done, you have pleased me, you have done enough, go home. And our worship is maybe 30 for five minutes. So it's, I'm not saying it's not possible, but that will not be the norm. Because to go to a proper school, even our kids, they do eight hours daily in school for them to be properly taught to become something in future. In this carnal world, in this world that is passing away, how many hours do you think you need to be properly taught for eternity? In things concerning the kingdom of God. Things that angels desire to look into but they don't have understanding for. How many hours do you think we need to really be properly? So, we are even us here, we are at a disadvantage if God doesn't help us because we don't have enough time for tutorship. And that's why we encourage a lot of personal, committed devotion 
to the Lord through the word and through prayer. Because there is no other way. Every other thing, we are just deceiving ourselves. Am I making sense? We are just deceiving ourselves. We are just deceiving ourselves. I can stay here and teach for four hours. It's grace. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not boasting. But it is from the point of proper tutorship. You have to understand. We have to break it down. You can't just gloss over it like, you know, you have a times one, one times one, two, probably whatever it is. No. Bible said that in the early church, they were meeting daily. Paul taught for so long, somebody fell down and died. <laughs> Such a powerful anointing. He taught for so long, the guy passed out as he was, he must have been probably teaching for maybe seven, eight, Bible said started from the evening till morning. It was in the morning that, uh, what's his name? Uh, he took us, eh? he slept off, he said, ah, I'm a boy who could know me in the room. I mean, he tried. He had endured from evening till almost morning. How many of us can do that nowadays? Let's come to church and teach for eight hours. Eh? And we are running the same heavenly race. God will, God will help us, though. God will help us. Honest, sometimes, honestly, I wonder whether it's the same race, actually. This, uh, this our race is rigged. <laughs> because honestly, is, is it the same? The gospel you and I sit down listening to and we're even complaining that fan is not blowing us away. Some people paid for it with their blood. With imprisonment, in sufferings. Persecuted. Some of them ran into wilderness. Some of them were nailed to the cross upside down. For the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the, for the passion of Christ. The Bible you are reading today, the man that dared to write it and publish it was burnt at a, at a stake. Imagine you tied to a stake, set fire around you and set you on fire. Hallelujah. William Tyndale. That is what some people paid, the price. Some people paid, and they considered themselves privileged to be able to pay such a tiny price for the sake of the gospel. See, God, God has to do a miracle of reorientation in our lives, people of God. He has to. He has to. Because we look like overfed babies who don't realize that we are in an eternal race. Amen. And I'm praying, that's why we're praying for our praying of the spirit for revival. Because of the kind of things revival would do. To change your taste board. To change your taste board. Suddenly, you can't stand, you know, one or 30 minutes to watch football because you have to go and pray for another three hours. That's what this change of taste board does. You, you can't seem to have enough of God's presence. That's what change of taste board does. Nothing, nothing, nothing shines into your eyes in the, of, about this world anymore. You are so driven by eternity. So driven. So driven. On your way to work, you can't wait to come. Or in fact, in the car, you're already tongue up, you know. I remember when I, when I, when I, the first one of the things, why I desired a car, you know, is I used to see people inside their cars, you know, AC up, and then they'll be moving their head, and I don't know what they're listening to, of course. Me, I'm inside bus, yellow bus. <laughs> so when God finally answered my prayer, and I got a car, and I used to drive them from Surulere to um, Ireland. I used to work in DDB then. I would put on my AC, and turn on my heel song, and I'll be blasting in prayer. Usually, it takes me between 45 minutes to one hour to get to work, you know, from Surulere. That one hour, it is me and Holy Ghost all through. There was a day I was so drunk, I think I told my I wanted to come outside of the car on Tom Milan Bridge and run around the car and scream. <laughs> I was so, that is what wealth should do. Am I making sense? Well, should even help your hunger, help your hunger expression. Some of you, you have money now. You are not thinking of taking some time. Just go to somewhere while others are going for vacation. You go for vacation and pray throughout the vacation. Or just go and jump inside the ocean and say you are swimming. And that's, not, that's not bad. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? Let money help you to serve God better. Don't buy a car because you want to show off. Amen. If God provided a car for you and you are not entering yellow bus where you are trying to pray into us, when somebody is looking at you, hey, you are in the spirit, you are <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Hallelujah. So back to what I was saying. Church has evolved based on different ideas and different philosophies. Philosophies of man, need of man, human experiences. Human, some people, the idea of church came from the experiences they had within their, you know, within their locality while growing up. If you go to black church, for example, in America, it's very different from white church. The issues are different. The focus is different. The pursuit is different. It's not supposed to be like that. But people have carried their own personal experiences, you know, and they have, def- they have crafted a church according to their culture. No. If you read Revelation 5, read it, was it on Wednesday, I would say he has redeemed from among from people, from nation, from every tongue. That's one of the cleansings that you have to do. They have to wash culture out of you. Because it, wrong, culture is wrong indoctrination. There is a kingdom culture that you must have. Racism is a function of wrong culture. Misogyny, all these things we are crying about. That men has even devoted, you know, causes to fight against. Even the causes that were created to fight against injustice have themselves become, you know, portals <laughs> and platforms of injustice. So man, man can't do anything right. Even in trying to pursue good, it runs over to the extreme. Hallelujah. You see misogyny, you see, you see disorder in the marriage, you see culture, you know, culture that, that, that puts men, puts women under terrible conditions. You see some culture, when they are getting married, the wife is crying, the husband is laughing. <laughs> because culture has subjugated women. And God wants to redeem us of all those things. What should the church of God be? It should reflect his image. Say Christ's image. So the church should reflect Christ's image. Not human culture and need. Not what is trending. See, and now, you know, this song is what is trending now. So we change the lyrics into Christian lyrics. The same beat. And then we change it. So when I woke up, I prayed to God. When I sat down, the Holy Spirit ministered. Can you stop that nonsense? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Can you stop that and sing spirit-inspired songs? Hallelujah. You know, I, 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 am, one, I am one major rebel in of praise and worship. Major, I believe that some of the songs we sing, they were deliberately created for human gymnastics, not to worship Jesus. And we sing those songs. Amen number one. Bah, you, and, and, we have some banned people from hell. <laughs> banned people from hell. Are you, who are you dancing for? Is it Jesus or yourself? No, no, let's, let's, let's take our temperature. Am I making sense? Because sometimes we just get lost and this thing just becomes like club, you know? We have, we have, we have changed, you know, rather than going to club and dance to Bonaboy and all those things, we've created our own club. It's Sunday morning jam. And they would jam it, jam, 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 jam. And, they, and the people sweat. Holy Spirit is outside wondering what they are doing. <laughs> Have you not read scripture? Say, Jesus said, I'm at the door, I'm knocking. Who is inside? The church. I say, I'm at the door, I'm at the door, and do what? I knock. He wasn't talking to unbelievers. You know, we use that message for unbelievers. You know? No, he was talking to the church. So I'm at the door, and I'm knock. What happened? They have cast him out. Get out in the name of Jesus. It's just they were talking to. <laughs> They've cast him out with their culture. They've cast him out with their order of service that is not according to you know, the pattern and the light and the pursuit of God. They've cast him out. That's what they did to Jesus. The Bible said Jesus went to, um, is, it, is it Samaria? Where did he go to? Or Nazareth? And the Bible said he could not do any mighty work because they looked at him and said, who is this one? You know, be, not be Joseph, be your papa. Have you met some of them? How are you, my dear brother? Your papa, they They've sized him up. They've sized him up. So he could not do any mighty work. 
And the, you know, Jesus was so heartbroken. He said, you have made the word of God of no effect by your traditions. By your traditions. So the heart of God is born in people of God for the restoration of the true order of church. Because the church is the only entity that can midwife the kingdom of God. It's the only entity. And it's the only training center through which the kingdom of God will do what? We dispense. So the church is supposed to be that center that publishes, that manifests, that displays the manifold wisdom of God that changes even civilization itself. That brings a cost correction in the journey of man. The church is meant to be that center. We are meant to influence culture. We're meant to call people back to their turn their heart back to the, their creator. Show them the end of the life of vanity and help them to choose life. You say, I put before you life and death. Am I making sense? Choose Man does not have the intellect, the capacity, or the wisdom to choose life. You and I, since the day we've born, we've been choosing death until God interrupted the process. Am I making sense? And now he's giving us understanding through his word to do what? To choose life. We were, we're naturally framed to choose the wrong thing. Anything that is glittering. Anything that looks like comfortable. And those are the kind of things we choose. And they could be deadly traps. Amen. Some men, they have chosen Oyoyo women. But this is Mami Water Spirit package. <laughs> They've chosen daughters of devil. Packaged in beautiful bodies. But they could not discern. And some sisters. Ha! Huh? They have chosen angels of Satan, packaged as tall, dark, and handsome. The sons of devils. Sister, ah, I remember I was, ah, vanity buru, vanity is terrible. I was working, when I was working in an agency, agency is one of the godless places you can ever work in. God, people, will gather, people used to gather in my office then. They would be watching naked porn in the office openly. Me, I will come on, I will come because my department is upstairs. I will come upstairs. I will see people gather around the system. I thought they were looking at a new ad. So I'll be coming to say, Pastor, don't come, don't come, don't come. You don't want to see this one. <laughs> so they know me, I'm a pastor. Nobody told them, but they, you know, once you get to a place and in two weeks they see you, I do, okay, this one seems to be different. God, let's please work. People will come, you know, to my office then and they would, guys, you will see their six pack. You will, they will now wear very tight. Very tight top and all the six packs and little bit. Oh, oh, I, I, I wish I can just, I can just. Who they picking What's wrong with you? I'm looking at the guy's six pack. I'm looking at my own flat chest and I wonder what's the difference. Nonsense used to appeal to people. <laughs> Amen. They'll be going. There was this girl, my friend. Then she was in a relationship. She was always looking at that guy with six pack. Ah. She now looked at me and said, what's wrong with you? She said, ah, can't you see that guy? Can't you see him? I wish I could just hug him and hold him. Said, you, need, you need Satan to be cast out of you. <laughs> Better go and hug your brother. Hallelujah. So God wants to show us what, you know, the true picture and the true pattern, you know, of churches. What, what, what are the things we need to do? What are the things we need to set in order for us to be in that place of proper alignment. And we saw that very vividly in the early church. Acts chapter 1, scripture says that after Jesus rose up, one thing he did was he devoted time. The Bible said for 40 days and nights he was what? Teaching the disciples what? Things that what? Pertain to the kingdom of God. Things that what? Things that pertain to the kingdom of God. Let me read uh, let me read verse 3. That's Acts chapter 1. He said, To whom also he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during what? 40 days. What was he speaking to them? Pertaining to what? If Jesus would appear to you today, what would be in his heart to speak to you? If he appear physically, it things pertaining to the world, to the king. And that is what he's doing from here every Sunday. That's what church should be. 
a the place devoted to speak things that do what that pertain to the kingdom not anything else not everything else we do is say by the way they are by the way they are by product the primary purpose of the church is a center of training of mentoring of tutorship of things pertaining to the kingdom of god that was all bible says he showed himself the purpose of the in many infallible infallible proofs if somebody comes to you and begins to dramatize so many things it is to get your attention so that what he wants to tell you is very what very important am i making sense am i making sense the purpose of the infallible proofs of his resurrection is to tell them this thing things pertain to the to the kingdom of god hallelujah and i'm being assembled together with them he commanded them not to depart from jerusalem but to do what to wait for the promise of the father which he said you've heard from me for john truly baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now verse 6 therefore when he had come together i asked them saying lord so they asked him you know um, lord we are this time restore the kingdom unto israel and all that and then he was saying something i said you will see don't worry about that you will receive power after the holy ghost is what is come upon you and you'll be what witnesses be witnesses the church is meant to be an assembly of witnesses say an assembly of witnesses not an assembly of spectators not an assembly of what but an assembly of witnesses you must transit from being a spectator or a congregant to be a witness there must be a transition that's the order of god that's the order of god there must be a baptism into witnessing there must be a what a baptism into it the fact that you come here every sunday doesn't mean you're a witness amen after all people gather in stadiums every saturday <laughs> and they hail for 90 minutes and they go home am i making sense if they tell you describe today ah i say and the coach are passing like this and they do like that and do like that and, but their name is not on the hall of fame amen they are not on the field doing the work they don't get the price at the end of the day if they even pay out of their pocket so that grown men can chase something for 90 minutes and at the end they are paid ridiculous money <laughs> the world is not a fair place man <laughs> amen and then they will not create fans fans of somebody who is playing ball and any ridiculous money who doesn't even know they exist they will fight their friends break bottle over somebody who doesn't know they exist they say i'm ronaldo i'm a messy fan and they will argue and even pray and even go to church wear jesse and you know when it's time they will pray ah mercy must win mercy must win this day with shouting and talk. the guy doesn't know that's the life of a spectator he doesn't matter in the scheme of things the only thing is that they can hear his voice from the stands nobody remember his name who who who, who is the greatest supporter of mercy has anybody received that award before Maybe their name is on the Hall of Fame of the people who have made great contribution to football. Spectators are just spectators. That's all. It's the people who get on the field that are remembered. Am I making sense? They are the ones who really showed up. So God wants us to transit from the stands to get entering the field and become real. With, that's what scripture says in, in Hebrews chapter 2. That, Hebrews chapter 12, sorry. So they, he called them the cloud of what witnesses not spectators because they were once on the field like you are right now so being surrounded by a great cloud that's why he called it a great cloud they are witnesses who have served god in their generation who have followed the path of the spirit in their generation hebrews 11 gave us the full a breakdown of some of them of abraham of isaac of jacob of daniel of david you know of sarah of all of these people talked about the expert they say by faith they obtained a good report why because they followed the will of god for their lives they were witnesses of the things of the kingdom so they are now they have run their course they have finished their own race they are now at the stands cheering you on to 
pursue and press and endure unto them so that you can receive the same crown of glory that they have received. We must translate from ordinary spectators to what? To being a witness. You must engage this life. You must engage this kingdom. This word you are hearing, you must make it a reality in your life. You must live your life by it. Am I making sense? Am I making sense this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God wants us to see how to set our house in order. Both individually and what? And corporately. Amen. Amen. Give me Ephesians chapter 4. So before I go to Ephesians chapter 4, one of the things you will see in Acts chapter 1, after Jesus has ascended and the disciples returned to, um, they returned to Jerusalem. You know, God has given them instruction that they should tarry in Jerusalem until they do what? They receive the promise of the Father. So there was no reason to go outside of Jerusalem. So they were in Jerusalem. But what did the scripture says they were doing in Jerusalem? Let's read verse 12. Go back to Acts chapter 1 verse 12. He said, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the Zealot, and Judas, the John of James. These all did what? Let's read together. These all did what? These all did what? Continued with what? One accord in and what? With the who? Say women were not left out. Say there was equality. Women were not cooking in the kitchen. Oh God. <laughs> women were not cooking. You know, one of these I don't like about church. You will organize retreats. All the women will be slaving in the kitchen. Why men will be praying? Is it only men they made spirit for? Women will be slaving. In the Some women, they will not listen. Four days retreat, too. they will not even listen to any word of God. From morning to night, it's cooking. Morning to night, it's cooking. Morning to night. It's day out. It, did people come to eat food? Please, leave. let all of us pray. And when we are finished praying, let all of us, boys and girls, men and women, go and cook. Some, we, we do some things in church that are not appropriate. That was what Jesus rebuked matter for. That's what Jesus rebuked Martha for. Don't even care. Don't even care about me. What I care about is you coming to hear the word I'm speaking to you. Sometimes we elevate the man of God above God. You see people running health task. That's our bank protocol. We will still have it, you know. So don't, don't think I'm a radical. <laughs> Amen. Some people just... See, the primary purpose of church is come for you to listen. I'm not saying don't take care of men. I mean, when we have guest ministers, we take care of them. The most important thing is this one. Hallelujah. I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't care for people or care for me, okay? But do you understand? It has to be in context. I tell the workers, once it's eight, if you like, don't sweep this place. Service starts. Service starts. We can't say we're coming here and Jesus is here at the time we say we're coming here, and they were now running the altar scatter. Amen. Imagine Jesus sitting here, and you're now running, you're now drawing wire, drawing wire. Oh, let's do what we need to do quickly so that we can focus on what we really did what came for. Hallelujah. The Bible said the women joined in prayers, they were with one accord. Praying, this continued with one accord in what? In prayer and what? So what was the what was the what was the purpose of the prayer? What were they praying for? Car? Deliverance? What were they praying for? The promise. The promise of the spirit. That's what church is about. We gaze onto the plan of God. We gaze. We have light. We receive understanding unto what the plan of God is. What is in the heart of God. And that is the word. That is the object of our prayer. That's the object of our pursuit. That is what church should be. 
Does that mean that we don't pray for one another? Of course not. It doesn't mean that scripture says in James that if anyone is sick, we should do what? Pray for the person. So we'll devote time. But the primary purpose of the church is to seek that which pertains to the kingdom. That is it. A lot of the things we treat in church, they are things that will not be an issue if we have committed, consistent Christian life. Am I making sense? A lot of the problems that people come to church for, you will not need to even have, you, you will not even consider them problem at all, even if they exist. Because you are solid, you are focused. Amen. And that's why I said to us that here, all of us are in the ministry. Every one of us. You are the ones with the ministry. You are the one to work out your, your, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You are the one to pursue God. The church is not a place where some people, you call men of God, and those are the ones that have the key of heaven. The rest of you, you are waiting at their beck and call. No. No. What's my job? Is to serve you. To show you this truth so that you can have a relationship. John said, he said, the things we have heard, we revealed unto you so that you can do what? Have fellowship. I can have fellowship. Hallelujah. So the guys were in the upper room. They continue. Please underline one accord. They continue where? In one. That means they had the same focus. If you picked anybody randomly in the room and asked why they were praying, they would tell you the same thing over and over again. That's what church should be. A place of common goal. Say a place of common goal. What is that goal? To grow spiritually. That's the goal. To grow, to press into the glory of God. To pursue the kingdom. To know more of Christ. That's what we are about here. So I've not come with another agenda. I'm not coming. Some people come to church to socialize. Have you seen people who go to church and say, this church, there are many rich people there. Let me go there and network because of my business. That person is not in one accord. If that person were praying in that church, the person would be looking at who I want to, how do I network, how do I quickly go and greet that man. So people, that's why, even children of Satan, when it's time to marry, they come to church. I've seen it happen many, many times. There was one brother in church that my wife knew. What? <laughs> that brother, let me not mention it. You would think that brother is Jesus Christ. You know, but people can have a quietness that is even awkward. If somebody comes here now and they are trying to pretend, it's easy for them to be spotted out. Am I making sense? Because the idea of church is not our idea of church. So once you come and they are trying to pretend, you easily, that brother from the first day I knew, and this brother, something, there's something, there's something not right about him. If you greet him, say, bless you. This is how you hold his hand. Bless you. Am I lying? If you greet him, say, bless you. He won't say anything. Bless you. Brother is sorrow. Talk, talk, talk. Even in Bible study, he'll just be nodding his head. Nothing. He's not hearing anything. His sister he came to look for. His sister he came to look for. And unfortunately, he got his sister. And we warned the sister. I remember then my pastor's wife called the sister. Asada, this brother. This, you know, sometimes when somebody's in law, you can't use full mouth to talk. I say, have you prayed? You are sure you have prayed? Ah, sister say, ah. In fact, prayer. Hey, my pastor have said, ah, but I am not, you know, I've spoken to him. You know, when you speak to somebody who is not born again, you will know. Jesus said, ah, no, ma, no, ma. When the, my pastor will say one thing, my sister, the sister will corner her. When she says another one, the sister, the, the sister now became the chief defender of the brother. She was desperate to marry. She was desperate. She was so desperate. We did everything. On the wedding day, that was when we saw the, the guy, the mask, the mask fell off the face of the masquerade. On the eye table like this, you see all kinds of beer and all kinds of, all kinds of, his friends, they were so vulgar, were like, brother, ha! It was as if the lamp transformed into brother bless you. The guy was so vulgar. They were saying, they were playing all the, the way they were dancing. The lady now felt like 
an orphan in the midst of them. Love has now opened the eye. The eye that love that was blind now. The marriage didn't last, I think, two months or so. Two months. She ran away. He was, he was a son of Satan. You know, and the funniest thing is that once you enter the house like this, they will quickly impregnate you. Because so you cannot run again. Once child is there, you will, it becomes complicated. Don't give, that, seriously, don't give room for the devil. It's not easy. You want to untangle yourself. It has, it's now become complicated. That brother wrecked. They sacked her. She was working in a very good company. Once she married, it got complicated. They sacked her from her place of work. She lost her job. Lost, lost a lot of things. By the time we saw her, she was, a, she was you know, a skeleton of her former self. Now, another issue now, she now couldn't relate with us again because of shame. Amen. God will really help us. Are you hearing me? We have to be of one accord. Of one accord. The purpose must be the same. The pursuit must be what? The same. Like an army. Like a regiment. You know when an army is marching, do you see different thought and formation and different orientation? If one is moving like this, do you see one moving like this? No. Everyone in their position, manning their place. That is what makes us an effective people. Each one of you in your position. That means you must live up to the standard of God in your individual lives. Otherwise, you are going to be an injury to the, total, to the, to the larger army. Imagine you going to war and you are the one supposed to hold this flank and then you don't have your weapons. Your weapons are not there. Not, and then... Even worse still, all the drills that the, you know, your unit is supposed to go through, you skip them. When they were giving others, again, you, were, you were chewing, you were chewing, you were chewing, um, chewing gum. And they were saying something over the, over the, what's it called? The walking talking. You, but you, you were jamming last, last. You are forgotten that you're supposed to twin, uh, tune your kidney. Bomb is coming. I, say, I want to go on the battlefield. That's what some of us do in church. That's what some of us do in church. We are completely out of order because we have not followed order in our individual lives. See, church is not a magic land. See, church is not a magic land. You can't do nonsense six days a week and expect things to magically rearrange on Sunday morning in your life. You cannot. One accord in prayer and what? And supplication. There is a common pursuit. There is a common goal. Your heart must be panting for God. As you are in your place of work, whatever it is you are, no matter your work, your heart must be panting for God. Your heart must be panting for God. Say, Father, there must be that sense of the kingdom, kingdom mandate in your heart. I live for the glory of the Lord. I am not ordinary. I'm not just passing through time. I am sent by God in this time and this season for a cause of the kingdom. So I'm inquiring, God, what are you speaking to me today? What should I pray about today? What is the thing in your heart that I should know today? That is, those are the things going on in your heart. And then you read the scripture, the word of God, God speaks to you through the scriptures. You hold it as a treasure in your heart. You pray over it. You hold that word. You pattern. God said, be patient. And so God is taking you through patience. He's bringing, orchestrating issues around you to make you learn patience. You are mindful of that. So you are holding yourself. You know, when you want to react, God speaks to you. You hold it back because of what? You are learning. You are fulfilling your own role. Fulfilling your own position in the army. You are accumulating spiritual authority over that issue. And when you have won, when you have come through and you have passed, you become a vessel, a source of encouragement, of strength to other brothers. That was what God told Peter. He said, and when you are converted, do what? Strengthen your brethren. 
Some of you, you expect that it's only me that will be strengthened. You want to kill me? See, I have wife and children too. You are meant to strengthen the brethren. You're meant to strengthen the brethren. An army is not a unit with a one-man warrior and hundred millions. One man. We don't even know whether the man is a warrior. Have you seen the private life of your pastor before? Some of you come and live in my house for one week. That's when you know who, who, I, who I truly am. Am I making sense? I'm not saying I'm pretending, you know. But sometimes the pastor you think are high up there, they are not high up there. They are men like you who have to trust God daily and stand in faith for their own infirmities too. After that, the high priest goes into the most holy place for his own sin and the sin of the people. He's also a sinner. <laughs> not in the sense of identity. Am I making sense? So each one of us must take our place. God has called you to the kingdom for such a time as this. There is a place that no other person can feel. Take your place. There is a kingdom purpose hanging over you. There is a mandate of God over you. Take your place. Every one of you here hearing my voice, there is a reason God brought you to this place. And that reason is unique, is peculiar to you, and no other person can fulfill it. Some of you, you have grace. Last week, God spoke to some of you. There's a mantle of grace, of prayer and supplication that has come upon you. That is your assignment now. Take it. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? I don't know whether I'm going to get to this place. Because one of the things I want to say is how we have used church organization to replace spiritual deployment. Say church organization to replace spiritual deployment and i shared this bit when we had our last workers' meeting you know we have different groups in church we have ushering you have uh, media choir children sanctuary keeper you sure that they keep, they keep the ark of the covenant no <laughs> amen you know we have and we are you know when you come, if if you if you are in this church now you've been coming very well Somebody would have spoken to you. Are you committed now? Are you settled now? Do you want to join? Some of you, you are the ones that God will put it in your heart that I want to contribute my quota and join this. And that is beautiful. See, that's beautiful. But there is something like that also that happens in the spirit that we often are not aware of. It's called deployment. Somebody say deployment. Deployment. And we are going to see it play out in these acts. If you look at through the book of Acts, you see spiritual deployment play out. Let me explain it very simply. As we grow, all of us, like they did, Acts chapter 1, the Bible said they continued in prayer. If you read that scripture, when they continued in prayer, in prayer, understanding came to Peter. The Bible said in those days, Peter stood up from among them. We won't read because of time. So the Roman man said that somebody's place has been lost. Judas. And then Peter was able to see that that his place was peculiar, is a peculiar place in the scripture. He began to quote Psalms. So in the place of prayer, Peter was having, and it was not only Peter, he was having spiritual enlightenment. That's what church does to you. As you commit to prayer and to the word, enlightenment comes to you and you begin to see things in your life that you need to put in order for the outpouring of the spirit to come. Am I making sense? You begin to see things in your life that needs to, maybe a way you have been reacting before to a particular issue that needs to change. Because two wrongs doesn't make a right. Am I making sense? Maybe there's th something you've been ignoring. You know some of you, you wake every morning since five years ago, Holy Spirit has been waking you up every morning to pray. He wake you up at five. You will pray. You've, you will turn like this. You turn the other way. And the Holy Ghost has been faithful. He has not stopped waking you up. Am I making sense? You have been ignoring a blinking light that God, that is peculiar for your equipment in the spirit. You need to give attention to it. In prayer, in the study, God begins to show you things you need to set in order. Say things must be in order. For the Holy Spirit, outpouring of the Spirit to happen. 
So Peter stood up as in those days and began to admonish his brethren and said that, you know, Judas had made, you know, he has made, uh, what's the word now? He has ambushed his destiny. He was named among God. He was supposed to be a, a, a foundational member, apostle of this thing that the Lord is building. But he's gone. He sold his soul to money. And he began to go. He said, let his office and not that take. See, everyone here, has, you have an office. You have an office. So it is written in the book of Psalms. Let his dwelling place be what? Desolate. May, may our dwelling place be not desolate in Jesus' name. You see, and let no one live in it. And let another take his office. Why? Because the kingdom of God must be set in order. If you are not playing your role, somebody else will be asked to play it because the kingdom of God must not be in jeopardy. Am I, are you hearing me? Why? God can be very patient with you, but the work of God must continue. The kingdom must advance. Some of us, we have, we have misunderstood God's patience to to mean his frivolity. God is not frivolous. God is not what? God is not frivolous. He is patient with you, but he's not frivolous. He is fully dedicated to his will and his agenda. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why after God has prophesied, he will say, the mouth of the Lord has spoken it, the zeal of the Lord will perform it. It means there is the, that zeal is the burning passion of God. He's not frivolous. Hallelujah. So Peter stood up and said, and then they began to, Bible said they prayed again, and then they cast lot. And then God chose another person. Who? Matthias. To do what? To step into that office so that the house can be in order. Say to yourself, I have an office. I have you all have an office. That was spiritual deployment. Now, look at the requirement that brought about Matthias. Can you give me that scripture? He said, therefore, this man, verse 21, therefore, of this man who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from when? The baptism of John to that day, when he was taken up from heaven, one of these must become a witness with us of his what? St. Matthias was there from the time of baptism of John. He was in his own order. Scripture never meant, the Gospels never mentioned him. Not once. But he was a faithful disciple following God, fulfilling the purpose of God for his own life, responding to God's Standard in his own personal space, but the eye of the Lord was watching him all along. Some of you think God is not seeing you, God is seeing you, and his eye is upon you, watching whether you will do your duty. Spiritual deployment. Matthias was faithful, he wasn't just there physically, he wasn't a Yoruba call somebody, or you know. Somebody who's by, just falling by the wayside. No, he was as invested. He was as committed. He was as sold out to the cause like every of the 12 apostles. And God found him worthy. And then God brought him in. Say spiritual deployment. Matthias must have been in a, in quote, department. Do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe when they went, when they wanted to go and buy drinks, he was the one that they would say, one of the brothers. He was not part of the 12. So most likely, he must have been doing a lot of the other things. Maybe the time they are saying, ah, we have 12 baskets, so full. Who is going to carry it? Matthias wants to be one of those carry it. Amen. And any time he has opportunity to be around, he was there. But his spiritual deployment was coming. Am I making sense? What am I saying? Church organization is good. It's good to be in a unit and be serving and be doing your duty. 
but you must be enlisted for spiritual deployment. You can't just say you are in a unit and then your own personal devotion with God is nothing to write to me about. No, God, that is not enlistment. Are you getting what I'm trying to say this morning? Do you get my point? A lot of times when people come to church, what we care about is the unit they will serve. And we are not calling their attention to the demand of God for their lives. To how they must put things in order in their individual lives. So that they can be of benefit to the kingdom. Perhaps the kingdom of God is as a man that threw a net into the field. And then when he has gotten a great catch, he draws it out and then began begin to sort out the catch. Sorts out the fish into the basket and the other rejects that is not needed, throws it away. People must have order in their own individual lives for them to be useful. You are not useful to God only when you sing or when you clean the... Your life must register. Must, there must be a record of your walk with God, of your growth in the spirit in heaven. And then as you respond to God in your individual space, the grace of God begins to manifest. Then you are ready for deployment. So you are ready for what? Because you have taken the word. You have been using the word. You have been renewing your mind. You have been following the commandments of God. The things that we teach from here, it has brought understanding to you and is resulting in adjustment in your life. Then you are ready to take up spiritual responsibility. So maybe you are here, you know, you are swimming, you are sweeping the floor, but there is a prophetic grace upon your life that is a result of spiritual deployment that God is resting upon. Some of you carry grace that you are not given expression to yet. Some of the spiritual deployment. Acts chapter 6, an issue arose. It was a very mundane issue. Very mundane. Some people were not being served properly in food. So the apostles said, you know what? We are giving too much time to this food thing. Let's get six men who can focus on what? Look at the criteria. Can you give me Acts chapter 6? Look at the criteria very quickly. I want to show you the difference between spiritual deployment and uh, you know, natural coordination. Yes, now in those disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint. Give me verse 3. So therefore, Brent, this was the apostle speaking. Seek out from among you seven men of good what? Reputation. Full of the what? And what? Whom we may appoint over what business? Full of the Holy Ghost to carry plates. Full of faith to carry plates. Go back. Let, let's go to verse 4. But we give ourselves content to prayer and the ministry of the word. Verse 5. And this same place, the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen. Look at the CV of Stephen. A man full of what? And of the word. So, Phil, Stephen had been in the school of spiritual edification before that time. And it even seems as if the job they are choosing him for is an insult to his CV. A man full of faith, full of the spirit. This is a spiritual gym gym. They now gave him big tray to carry plates and drink and be serving him. It looks like a spiritual demotion, right? But to a man of, that lacks understanding, that's what it looks like. It doesn't matter what you are, where you are in church coordination. It is spiritual deployment that matters. It is spiritual edification that matters. And very soon, wherever you are amongst us in the congregation, we give way to the true gift to come out. In fact, where you are is a test whether you have the character to hold the gift of God in your life. Are you hearing me this morning? So they gave him to be serving tables. And you know, to be very honest, you know serving tables is one of the very difficult things to do. The only time people fight in church, this is my own personal data, and I have years of data to back it up. The only time people fight in church, most of the time, is when food is being served. Brethren, that's where you see brethren spirits. We call it. 
Amen. When food, somebody will complain. You, you asking you, how can you give me this with this meat? What, 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 what do you think I am? Say, I'm we're sorry, sir. No, have you been to one bed? You see people dressed, regard from head to toe, fine gilly, gold everywhere. They are fighting and struggling over a plate of jollof fries. They are angry. Meaning, meaning, why? They did not give them rice. Sometimes you wonder whether these people have food at home. Big car. If she drove big cow, he drove big bends. But he's fighting. Amen. Serving tables. This guy of great spiritual stature. He's serving tables. But God was testing him. Am I making sense? God was what? God was testing his heart. God was testing his heart. Some people are not meant to be high up there. Everybody is meant to be down here doing the purpose of the kingdom. But that guy, he wasn't distracted. Am I making sense? You know people who are serving tables. This guy didn't say, ah, she be his table that he said I should be serving. I don't need to really pray in the morning. I don't really need to pursue God. What will I usually pursue God to do? Will I be seeing revelation while I'm pouring Guguru and Nepa together? But he was not distracted. He was giving attention. Perhaps they found to flame the what? The gift of God in you. Which was given to you by the what? By the laying of hands of the presbytery. Every one of you possess a spiritual gift. Something that connects to the heart of God. So we must give attention to that. Not just only to canal service. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? So they prayed. And when Matthias was chosen and the house was set in order, now they received legitimacy to receive the outpouring of the Spirit. They did what? They received what? And when the day of Pentecost was what? Fully come. They had set the house in order. Somebody has replaced, somebody has stepped into the office that was lost. It is now ready for the Holy Ghost to do what? To descend. When you and I are faithful and consistent in our individual lives, we are going to see the ripple effect whenever we come here. Are you hearing me? We are going to see the what? The ripple effect. Whatever it is that your heart can draw is what God will make available here. That is why one of the greatest disservices you can do to yourself and to everyone is to come to church without expectation. I really loved when Asak was praying this morning and was talking about the desire. What do you desire? What is the panting of your heart? Or you just come empty-minded to church? You just, don't just wear clothes on empty body and empty mind and just... No. There must be a panting in your heart. There must be a longing for God in your heart. There must be a hunger. You must come in here hungry with your eyes red in the spirit. Red. If you see God, Father, you just grab him. Hunger. It is only a people of hunger that can track God. God doesn't come to people who are so drunk in their own no drunkenness, who are lascivious. Those who are not sick, who are not concerned about him. You just come, be a number among the congregation, and just, and just go, no, God is not pleased with that. There must be a connection, there must be a panting. Your deep must be calling onto his deep. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? That is what it means for us to set our place in order. There must be order in our individual lives for there to be order in the corporate life. So that the corporate anointing can come. So that grace can be what? Can be released. Is somebody blessed this morning? Somebody blessed this morning? Lift up your hands and say, I will play my part. I will respond to the spirit. I will follow the call of God upon my life. Give me finally Ephesians chapter 4 as I close. St. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to do what? To do what? Walk worthy of the what? The calling. 
You must work worthy. You must be faithful to your own spiritual deployment. Some of you are probably even in pre-deployment stage. You are still in the building stage. The gift of God in your life is not yet apparent or manifest. It doesn't mean you are disadvantaged. God is still building you. He has not turned your attention to it yet. Or perhaps even you have not even given attention to it yet. But every one of us has our own distinct path in God. Work worthy of the calling. All of us must pursue God. Say all of us must pursue God. Whether it's your tech bro, <laughs> or your teacher, or your businessman, or your digital person, or you are a children teacher, whatever it is you are doing, even if you are the road sweeper, maybe you are one of those who sweep the road early in the morning by those we must all pursue God. That's the calling to which we are called. Give me verse 2. With all lowliness and gentleness with long suffering, bearing what? With one another in love. Now, when every one of us walk, are working worthy, one thing is going to happen. There's going to be an increase in the measure of love with which we walk. There's going to be a what? An increase in the measure. Suddenly, lowliness becomes a target. We are not seeking to lord it over. Nobody is seeing the other person as higher. Because some things, some foundational things have been set in order. Some things have been corrected. So we are not coming, trying to rub shoulder on each other. Am I making sense? We are all trying to see how we will submit to each other. Lowliness and gentleness. You don't see yourself that I'm me. I'm a man of God. How will I carry chair? No, 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 no. Oh, I'm, I'm, nobody can say I should go and wash toilet. No, we don't see. No, we are all going towards lowliness, submission to one another, gentleness. With long, so we can even bear with one another. We can bear with the infirmities. We don't go and say, ah, if you see how that brother treated me today, how was it? Maybe the brother doesn't even know he did anything. But let's assume he even did it. You can forbear because some things have been set in place in your heart. You know that this you are not here for your own thing. You are here for God. And you are not going to let anything distract you. That's the attitude in your individual life. That's the attitude you bring into the corporate assembly. Loneliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. See, there is a portion of unity that you must keep. See, this unity it looks like a chain. It must not be broken at your end. And the, a chain can only break at its weakest link. Do you know what weakest link is? It's not working worthy. So when your own work is slowed, you are becoming a weak link. Am I making sense? Endeavoring to keep the union. As you, as, you, as you stay faithful in your own order, in your own commitment to God, you are keeping the unity. You are strengthening the wall at your own end. So offense can't come through you. <laughs> Am I making sense? Offense cannot come through you. You know, evil communication cannot come through you. Gossip cannot come through you. Backbiting cannot come through you. Enmity cannot come through you. Competitive spirit cannot come through you. You have put your house in order. You are working worthy. You are seeing your brother as a true brother. You can forbear. You can be patient. You can condescend. Your wall cannot be breached. You are keeping the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Peace becomes your own anchor. Um, are you hearing me this morning? But it starts from the place of your own spiritual edification and your own deployment. There are grace upon this house. When this house is fully mature, and I'm trusting God that it's very soon, you will see a display of an array of grace. Grace. And then all of us, we won't feel higher than another. Amen. We're all the same. Nobody is in court special. I can lean on you for the grace of God upon your life. Amen. 
you can walk up to me and say, Pastor, I was praying this morning and I saw a vision. I saw you and this and this and this and this and this. And after finishing, I said, My God. And I held and said, Thank you. You've just watched my back. You've just given me an instruction from the Lord. Something that the Lord has been trying to talk to my heart. You are a second witness. And then I have confidence in the calling God has called me to because you've supplied grace to me. You have allowed God to use you to supply grace to me. That is what it is. Some of you, you have specialty. Your own grace is for the children. You can just see things that are for their equipment because that grace is coming from you. Some of you, prophetic utterances. Prophecy. Some of you is discernment. You can discern the season that we have come to. Say, Pastor, Pastor, I sense we have entered the new season. I said, Yes, you are seeing well, my brother. You are seeing well, my sister. Some of you is order, spiritual order. You can sense what the need of the body is. You can say, that's, that's when, I, when I enter a church, that's when I, I could sense what the need of this assembly is. Order. Order. Grace begins to manifest. Some of you, the spirit of prayer, you can pray. If you are praying more than me, I'm praying. Ask the grace of God upon your life. When you see some of these highly successful ministries, I put success in quotes because sometimes we think success is crowd and big things. Some women are in the secret, lifting them up and praying for them, for the grace of God to manifest in their lives. I think it was rejoined that said that when he saw a vision of heaven and he said that people that were close to Jesus were women and children. Most of those women were prayer warriors. He said they prayed for some of the big men of God that you were hearing. Even the big men of God did not know. They thought it was their own anointing and grace. It was the prayer of those women that was carrying them. But those women did not say, I'm called to be in the pulpit and abandon the grace of God upon their life. They stayed in the secret and yet they fulfilled purpose. Find your place. Find your allocation. Find your allotment. And make spiritual stature. Find your place. The church is meant to be an army. Endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Let's rise to our, to our feet this morning and just talk to God in our heart and say, Father, help me to find my place. Help me to be faithful in my place. What do I need to set in order what do I need to put in place? What are the things I've, I've been ignoring that I need to give attention to? What are the things I need to increase? What is, are the consecrations that I need in my life? Some of you, you need consecration. Some of you, you need separation. The group, the group you belong to, your close friends, they can never allow the purpose of God to flourish in your life because of the kind of things that you guys discuss and the places you guys go. There must be consecration and separation. Because the gift of God in your life must blossom. The grace that God has put in you must blossom. There must be spiritual deployment. There must be expression to the grace of God upon your life. Things must be put in order. Things must be set in order in my life. Help me, give me grace. Open my eyes to set my house in order. To set my house in order. To do my duty as a member of God's army. To do my duty. To observe my disciplines. To observe my devotion. To find, to flame the grace of God in, your, in my life. And you are not too small. You are not too young. You are not too old. No matter what age, there is a purpose and a plan of God for your life that is begging for expression. And to freaking it is Lord. Shimaria Talabra Kasaba.